we need to backtrack a little bit and, and understand what is the purpose, right? What is the purpose of, of sports? Um, are we out to, to win titles when we're eight years old? You know, um, it takes a, a, a hard stance on what are our values, what are our core values. You know, you're going to get these big trophies and get these big rings and, you know, but in the grand scheme of things, what are we trying to teach kids? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. It is officially 2023. Happy New Year, by the way. And I'm excited as ever to have you here plugged into the world of coaching with me. Can't thank you enough for the past three seasons, which I can't believe, uh, of the High School Coaches Club. And I'm absolutely thrilled to dive in with season four, which starts right here with episode 77. But first, our appreciation for what Netting Pros has allowed us to do. Will Miner and the gang over at Netting Pros have powered the High School Coaches Club for years now. If you need any facility improvements, make Netting Pros your first call. Not only will they help you design it, but they'll do it all custom for you from the fabrication to the installation. They've got you covered for netting, digital graphic wall padding, turf, turf protectors, cubbies, windscreen, ball carts, you name it. They crush the baseball and softball world on a daily basis, but they also get after in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field golf courses, and sports that you could probably make up. They would put as many nets as you want out for that too. They are truly making facilities better all across America, providing high quality products and services for facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. Not only at the high school level, but for recreational, collegiate, and professional sports as well. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Netting Pros, they're improving programs one facility at a time. In this episode, I am joined by Nick Britton, the head wrestling coach for Southern Boone Middle School in Ashland, Missouri. After playing four sports in high school and then spending four years as a varsity wrestler at Iowa State University, Britton entered the coaching ranks where he spent 12 years at the high school level, four of which he served as the head wrestling coach at Ballard High School. In addition to being the current head wrestling coach at Southern Boone, Britton works with the Columbia Wrestling Club and coaches a 16U fast pitch softball team. When you think of someone with a wealth of coaching knowledge, this is the type of coach that comes to mind. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 77 with Nick Britton. All right, Nick Britton, thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, glad Brian Ash could connect us to each other. Um, just kind of, you know, perusing through your internet imprint. And one of the coolest things I think I came across um, was, I believe, uh, from 2021, so a year ago or so, uh, and an experience that you and your daughter actually got to have at the Little League World Series. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, had the privilege of being able to take a team from Daniel Boone Little League here in Columbia, Missouri, uh, all, the way to the, all the way to the Little League World Series. You know, we had a, a, a great time with 13 uh, young athletes that, uh, you know, really was a, a time for them to, to grow and, and uh, be able to experience something pretty special. One of the cool things for you that we'll get to kind of get into over the course of our conversation is, um, you know, obviously softball and, and how much you time you spend with softball especially through your daughter but also through your club but then also um obviously from the wrestling standpoint of things and so uh it probably makes sense for us to kind of go back to your own kind of high school experience 
and uh, what sports did you play? Where'd you go? What was it like? Like, what was your own uh, kind of sports and high school experience like? Well, what's funny is I, you know, I'm a kind of a non-traditional athlete where, <clears throat> excuse me, I have played four sports in, in high school, uh, football, wrestling, track and baseball, but also it's, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, my dad was a band director and my mom, uh, is a music teacher still. So I had both went to a small school, had both, you know, fine arts and, and, uh, and, uh, athletics that, uh, you know, is, uh, involved heavily with, with all the time. So we were pretty busy in high school. Um, you know, being a four sport athlete, and then putting the uh, the music on top of it was 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 a lot of fun, um, but it also teaches you how to be disciplined and, and hard work and you know everything it needs to be to be successful in in just one thing. You know, there's something so, I think that is interesting about high school sports when you're kind of getting into that is the idea of like you, you kind of mentioned time management, but that idea of how I, you've probably been around some players like this before. I certainly have, where uh, it seems like if they only play like one or two sports out of season, they seem to really struggle with like their grades and getting schoolwork done. And then all of a sudden in season, you'd think the opposite would be true, right? Where all of a sudden you have like way less time, but somehow it makes you, it makes you be way more disciplined, way more focused to, to get stuff done that needs to get done because you don't really have any other choice with your time. Yeah. For the, I mean, for the, you have, you have a wide range. You obviously have the high performers that, that are smart, book smart, you know, studying comes easy to them. Um, you know, and then you have others that, that struggle. I've, I've ran across kids that we've coached over the years that, you know, our number one goal for the kid was, was to get them to graduate from high school, you know, versus kids that, you know, are four point students that it comes naturally, but still they have to figure out, you know, how they manage their time, uh, the commitment levels that it takes to be successful in, in the classroom. And then also, uh, on the field or in the gym you know, is, is really demanding. And I think that's where we oftentimes in the academic world, you know, the schools that have successful academics also more than likely it attributes to uh, a good activities program as well, because it's mm-hmm. proven that those kids that are out for things, you know, have a reason and a purpose, especially for the, the kids that may struggle a little bit um, in school. It gives them a reason or a, a, a network of people, I guess, that, that will help them out when they, when they need help, you know? Yeah, that's true. So you, you, you in high school played four sports. I'm trying to wrap my head around how four is possible because right. So when you Iowa, normally think about it, there's three, how'd you do four? Yeah. So in Iowa, uh, where I went to high school, born and raised, uh, Ogden, Iowa was where I graduated a little small town in central Iowa. It was, uh, you know, we had football in the fall and then wrestling in the winter track in the spring and then baseball and softball in iowa are summer sport right so we would go from one to the other to the other you know so we'd we'd have state championships and football going on you know overlaps wrestling season and then uh we'd go from wrestling right into track and then actually the track uh state championships overlaps you know the first couple weeks of baseball practice too so you know, it takes a high level of commitment to be able to do all that. But, you know, I didn't know any different. You know, we, we didn't have, you know, back then probably travel ball organizations and, you know, wrestling in the off season was really kind of in its infancy. You know, we didn't have travel ball clubs that, you know, did it year round. They, they, we started to, um, 
but it's not like the billion dollar industry that it, that it is today. Yeah, no kidding. It's there's a lot there's a lot of time and effort that goes into the year round stuff today that wasn't really around back then. So four sports. I forgot about Iowa. That's right. I've had a few Iowa coaches on with the summer summer baseball, which for me, as I'm looking out the window at the pouring down rain, that's going to go yeah. from up here in Oregon all the way through probably halfway through our baseball season. The summer summer baseball in Iowa seems to make a lot of sense to me. So um, from high school, where'd you go after that? I, you know, you head off to college. What was that experience like for you? Uh, so I went and chose to go to Iowa State. So I was a cyclone. Um, you know, I going from small town uh, in Iowa to you know Ames was Ames was thirty miles down the road, so it wasn't a foreign land that I was going to. But you know, I had to choose being a, a you know a, a multi-sport athlete and everything else. I had to choose whether I wanted to be a big fish in a little pond or a little fish in a big pond. You know, I was recruited for, you know, division three, division two, you know, not necessarily division, division one, but, you know, I was fortunate enough that I had the grades. Um, I had already been accepted to Iowa state, uh, went and met with the coaches um, and coach Tom Ortiz at the time. Um, he was the associate head coach, met with him and, you know, he had, he had, uh, I'd sent tape into him and things like that. And, you know, um, Ended up getting to be, you know, considered what's considered kind of a preferred walk-on status. Yeah. Um, you know, I I didn't – I got accepted to school at Iowa State really, really easy, but I missed the housing date, you know, part of that responsibility, getting your paperwork in. <laughs> right. <laughs> missed the housing date. And, and Coach Douglas – Bobby Douglas was the actual the head, head wrestling coach at the time, a Hall of Fame coach. Um, and uh, he had recruited the number one recruiting class in the country. So, Cale Sanderson, who's the – now currently the Penn State head wrestling coach. Uh, he was a four-time national champ, and you know his his storied career is unprecedented, 159 and 0, and and all that. You know Joe Heskett was a four-time All-American national champ. You know we had we had the number one recruiting class that year, and and so basically Coach Ortiz said, "Hey, we know you've got the grades, we know your work ethics there." You know, um, so he he actually called up Res Life and said, "Hey, I need Nick Britton in so and so's room." And hung up the phone. He said, there you go. If you want to come to Iowa State, you've got housing now. You know, so <laughs> I said, I said, you know, if you guys are going to treat me like that when you've got all these, you know, these studs coming in, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, so it was kind of a cultural, cultural environment that I wanted to be in. You know, so I uh, went from there and, you know, was uh, uh, basically second string all the way through um, some things you don't understand now you know I, I hate to hesitate to talk about the transfer portal but you talk about the transfer portal now back in the day we didn't have that and yeah. you you had more i would say more role players on your team than you had you know the the starting cast you know wrestling wrestling has 10 spots in in college we had you know we had 35 or 40 guys on the roster you know and so i was i was second string i traveled all the time i got i, I was blessed to be able to Travel, make the travel team all the time, and and uh, go to some pretty cool cool meets. You know, wrestle at national duels, uh, help the guys backstage at nationals. So, um, you know, you don't you don't find that commitment uh, a lot of times anymore. But it was something I embraced. Well, and that too, like the the role player part of things. Um, I I'd never wrestled, but I imagine with a lot of sports, but especially wrestling, because there's, there's that one on one element of it. The better obviously the better your quote unquote second string guys are 
the better your first guys are going to get. And then obviously the better the second guys are going to get. And everyone just kind of keeps getting better and better. Whereas absolutely, if, you know, if you had a program where that second tier guys isn't very good, I, I imagine it would be difficult to improve in the ways that you probably want to improve because there's so many guys that just aren't quite of the quality that you would need to get better. Yeah. I mean, translate it to, you know, baseball, softball as well. You've got, you've got, you know, you've got, you want to put nine kids on the field, right? So, yeah. I mean, you want to have a supporting cast that'll push those nine, um, you know, to continue to grow and continue to improve, you know? And so that's really, that's really what is really cool to me about it from a coaching standpoint is you can see some of that development happen um, where, you know, I've coached kids in wrestling that, you know, like, like me, I mean, to be quite honest, had no, had no business wrestling division one, you know, but they had the work ethic, they had the drive, they had the um, will to be a good teammate, right. That, that coaches um, highly sought after, you know, you tell you a number of kids that, that I've coached over the years that, you know, went and wrestled, wrestled for guys that, there, you know, I had a kid, Alex Mackey. Um, he's now in the in the Marine Corps, but he was a JV his freshman sophomore year, uh, I believe. Wrestled behind a, a, you know, a kid that was a three time state champ, um, Tanner Weatherman that went to Iowa State. But Alex Mackey was a kid that once he got the starting role as his junior year, I mean, he went and placed in the state tournament that year, and then his senior year he placed fourth. And uh, one of my former college coaches, uh, Chris Bono, who's now the – he was at South Dakota State at the time. He's a, he's the head coach at Wisconsin now. You know, he called me after the state tournament. Um, and Mackey reminded me – reminded uh, he reminded me of myself back in the day. and Just a hard-nosed kid. And I told Bono at the time, I said, you know, this kid will – once he earns your trust uh, or once you earn his trust, like he'll run through a wall for you. Ended up being a four-year starter, and as a walk-on up there at South Dakota State, um, his sophomore year, uh, I don't think the kid won more than ten matches, probably. But uh, he got voted as a team captain uh, because because he was a his, his hard work and ethic, and just a, his ability to be a good teammate, you know, earned him that right. Did you know while you were? you know, obviously wrestling underneath a, a hall of fame coach. Did you know that coaching was in your future at that time? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. you know, I was a sports management major at Iowa state. Um, yeah. got an internship with the athletic program, athletic department. Um, you know, during my senior year, I went into it with thinking that I was going to be a high school AD, you know, but I went the mm -hmm. college athlete route or college athletics route. Um, was a, was a class away from having my coaching minor, you know, so it was something that I always, always wanted to do. And then, you know, as I, as I had an internship, you know, that, that really didn't pay the bills. So, we, we, <laughs> right. you know, when we graduated in 2002, uh, when I say we, my, my wife, you know, she was a, a, a social worker um, and, you know, she made next to nothing. And I was making a thousand dollars a month as a stipend as an intern. And I did that for about, I don't know, 18 months or so. Um, but thankfully, I mean, right place, right time. Coach Douglas allowed me to run a lot of his wrestling camps. Um, and then I started coaching, um, you know, really right out of, right out of school. I went, actually, we were fortunate to, uh, 
you know, moved back to our hometown, which is only 20 minutes away or 30 minutes away from Ames. So we were still able to work, work at Iowa State. And then I coached high school wrestling at Ogden for a couple of years with uh, legendary coach Brian Reimers, um, you know, and, and kind of got my foot started there because it was a necessity for, you know, to help help pay the bills, you know, which <laughs> high school sports doesn't pay that much anyway. So you can imagine. <laughs> that could be better. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Absolutely. So. Yeah, started started right out of right out of the gate, right out of right out of college, helping out, you know. And so we ran camps all the time across the state of Iowa while I was in college, and just you know loved um, interacting with the kids, loved watching the growth and progression that happened, and you know um, sports and have have given a lot to me in my life, and you know coaching was now is is a, a way for me to give back. You know, so after after you finish, you obviously start doing camps right away, and you, you end up being an assistant coach. How long were you a high school assistant coach before you ended up uh, diving into a head coaching role? So I was an assistant coach uh, two years at Ogden, and then we moved to Huxley, Iowa, which is just south of Ames and uh, Ballard Community School District. And I had known some of those kids and coaches from the camps that we did. We moved into the community and and. Uh, I think I was an assistant coach for maybe six or seven years under Jeff Weatherman. Um, you know, we won, we won two state titles, team titles. Uh, so two, two traditional. And so in Iowa, you have a state duels and you have the, the individual state wrestling tournament. So we won back-to-back state titles in both in, uh, I think it was 2008 and 2009. Um, or it was nine and ten? I can't remember. We ended up putting eleven kids in the state finals one year when I was when I was an wow. assistant coach, and it's attributed to you know the youth programs coming through and everybody wrestling under the same system. But you know Jeff and, and the crew embraced and and uh, you know welcomed me with open arms, and it was a great family environment that, that we were able to that I was able to jump into. Um, so I was an assistant for what I don't know seven or eight years before I became a head coach. Um, Became a head head wrestling coach at uh, at Ballard. Was there for four head coach for four years. Um, had quite a little bit of success, and then we moved to Missouri in uh, 2015. Um, so I kind of backed off from high school coaching at the time. Uh, we moved to Missouri. I was the director of facilities for the University of Missouri Athletics. Um, so I started helping the youth programs when we moved to. Uh, when we moved to Missouri, just because the the high school route, we you know we had two kids now. So Gracie, you know, she's now fourteen, and Owen's twelve. But you know, we had two kids. And it was time to step back from, you know, really the business of of being a head head coach to uh, you know concentrate more on what the focus of what our what our family needed. Well, that makes a lot of sense too. With that, you know, we've had lots of coaches come through the the podcast who. You know, when you start getting kids and they start getting older and you you start getting faced with the reality of like, you know, do, tonight, do I want to go coach a bunch of other people's kids or do I want to go to my own kids, you know, swim meet or, you know, do I want to go to my kids play that is school is putting on or just the freedom of like the simple freedom, of like being able to pick a kid up from school. You know, and so I think everybody at some point as a coach, if you have kids, you end up at, at some point, my kid's only three. So I've got a few more years till that decision has to come. But you're kind of faced with that reality of like, what, what's going to be the most important thing here and how can I, how can I navigate that? Yeah. And, and I think that for me, 
you know, before we moved to Missouri, uh, you know, my kids started, Gracie started T-ball in Iowa and it was a matter of, you know, what parents were going to volunteer, right? T-ball is like herding cats, right? It's like, no kidding. (laughs) It's not that hard, but you at least want to make sure that the the kids have a good experience, you know? So, you know, that's where I was able to take from a professional standpoint, working at, you know, working at the highest level, um, for a full-time job, being able to see what some of the coaches do and, and some of the things that we would do with kids in camp just to make it a fun atmosphere, um, but let them learn um, the basics is is huge. And I still think that today is, you know, if you're not having fun, I mean, sports, sports is supposed to have fun. You're supposed to have a smile on your face. Kids are supposed to enjoy it. You know, that shouldn't dread going to practice. You know, so you know, started in T-ball days where, you know, <laughs> Was I a guy that wanted? I was busy enough. There's no no need that I needed to do something else. But it was just something that you know it came naturally. You know, I got asked to help, and from there it sparked into you know I I was an all conference baseball player in, in high school, and so I I mean I you know had accolades in that sport as well, and so I, I knew how to play the game. And starting with the basics, it was pretty easy, you know, at the time. And uh, then it just kept growing. And when we moved to Columbia. Um, you know, we, uh, we got Gracie involved in Danny Boone Little League. Well, we missed the, we missed the, uh, evaluation period because we moved in December, January and uh, we missed the evaluation period. So we just signed her up for, you know, the appropriate age group, which at the time was coach pitch. Um, had, I had no, no inclination to, to coach it when we moved. Um, cause I was going to, you know, hopefully surround her with the right people. And of course we did, but uh, thankfully Taylor Bartlett, who is the softball director for Daniel Boone, allowed her to get, uh, you know, evaluated after a couple practices because she came home from practice one night, the the second practice I I got to go to. And I said, why weren't you throwing hard? You know, why weren't you hitting hard? (laughs) You know, and she said, dad, I felt like I was going to hurt somebody, you know, so we got her evaluated and that's what, that's when I, uh, started my relationship with, with Daniel Boone and, and, uh, our travel ball organization, uh, which we now play for aces. Um, so it allowed us to be able to, you know, transition the skills that I had learned, you know, coaching wrestling and, and everything else. And, and it's really running a program is, is no more than, you know, having the basics, uh, down for, for the sport and then having a good foundation that will you can build on. So, that's really where we started here with, with softball, the softball journey. Um, you know, I coached middle school here when we moved to Southern Boone, I coached middle school for a while. And that's when we moved to, uh, Ashland, uh, just South of Columbia. That's when I got to know coach Ash and coach Wren and all those guys here. And, and, uh, it's been a great environment for us to be able to be able to thrive in. Are you still coaching, uh, wrestling at the middle school or has that kind of gone away as your daughter's gotten older and more, more deep into the aces softball? Yes. So it's funny. I, I coached, I coached junior high softball for a year and really a lot of it, a lot of middle school coaches, you know, or, or, uh, it's, it's really hard to find that level of coach that, um, number one wants to stick around for a while. And number two can, uh, can be able to organize, you know, again, it's organized chaos. You know, junior, yeah. high, junior high kids are freaking crazy, you know, but, uh, so yeah, I, I coached junior high softball for a year and then, uh, Trent Tracy, the AD here, there was an opportunity where the middle school coach, um, he was the middle school coach and now he's the AD here. He called me and said, Hey, would you have, 
any uh, interest in becoming the, the middle school wrestling coach? And I said, well, I said, Trent, I, I, uh, I would, I would love to, but you know, I gotta, I just gotta figure it out, you know? So we figured it out and my, my son's a seventh grader. So it just made sense that, you know, I started coaching middle school wrestling this year and we're doing pretty well. Um, you know, and so it's a balancing act, um, obviously with, with everything going on, but it works out. It's, it's fun. It's again, it's my way to give back to the sport and help, help. Hopefully, you know, we've only had wrestling here in, in this town for five or six years now. And so we're really in the infancy of getting a good baseline and, and, uh, you know, coach Bradley is the head high school coach. We, we worked on, you know, what we were going to do as a program. And, um, I think that's key in the high school ranks is understanding that my job as a middle school coach is to keep the kids out, um, so that they want to, they want to wrestle or compete when they're, when they're in the high school, in high school, um, when it, when it, when, in my opinion, it really matters, you know, it, middle school doesn't matter, you know, wins or losses, um, you know, even travel ball. I know everybody puts a lot of emphasis on winning games and, you know, I've seen teams that sandbag and go to C level tournaments when they should be mm-hmm. playing A level tournaments. And, you know, that's where it's just, what do you, what are we trying to teach the kids? Um, you know, long-term that, um, instant gratification that we have is, is pretty crazy. Um, when you want to want to really look at the long term, um, so I mean that's my goal as a middle school coach is, is to teach kids the fundamentals, um, and then be able to have support the high school program. You know what they want to what they want to what they want to do when they get to high school. You know that's that's when they start to hit puberty and they actually figure out what they what they mm-hmm. want to do with their lives. You know, um, but so many so many programs I've seen, you know, it's hard. You know, in basketball, for example, you know we've got. 40 kids that try out for basketball. Well, there's only 12 spots, you know? Um, Well, in junior high, the opportunity uh, to try and compete even before my body's ready for it is is hard, you know, because you have some kids that won't, won't mature until their sophomore, junior year of high school. And they won't even, they won't even go out for a sport in high school because they had the experience in middle school. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a balancing act for sure. You want to be good at stuff, but you know, if, if, uh, we had a kid, we had a kid yesterday get his, get his first win, um, of the season. And, uh, the kid has the biggest heart in the world, you know, great family, great kid. Um, he finally got his first win yesterday and, uh, the whole team just blew up, you know, had so much fun around him, you know, surrounded him with, you know, so it's, it's so great to see the culture that you can build, um, with all these programs, you can, you can be a positive impact or, you know, unfortunately there's some negative impacts out there too, that, that kids are around that, you know, a coach might not have the right training and might not have this or that and the other. And, you know, for me, it's not about me, you know, it's about, it's about the kids and how we can develop them as to be um, outstanding citizens when they get older. I think it probably goes back to what you had said earlier with when you were at Ballard High School, you mentioned that there's a really solid youth program set up. And you'd mentioned also along the way that, you know, one of the, the big goals for any sport, really, but it's definitely in youth sports is, you know, does a kid have enough fun to where he wants to come back, you know, to practice tomorrow and then, you know, has enough fun that she wants to play the same sport again next year? Because you've seen this, I'm sure, too, where there's sometimes kids who... It's, it's the pyramid thing, right? Like, you know, there's, you know, 
if you look at like a pyramid, there's, you know, a hundred people that might play whatever, you know, middle school basketball at sixth grade. But then as they go up the pyramid, there's less and less kids playing. And, you know, as we've tried to build our own youth program for baseball and, and everything, we try to make sure coaches are really cognizant of the fact that we're, we're really being judged on two things and anything else we get beyond that is just great. But the, the basic two things are like, did they have enough fun that they want to play again next year? And did they get enough improvement in their skills or talent or whatever that they have the ability to play again next year? It's like, if you can cross those two things off your list that they had fun and that they got better, anything beyond that is just like icing on the cake. But those are like the two bare minimum things that we want to make sure kids do because you've seen it, I'm sure, where there's so many kids that quit before they should have. And so you mentioned, you know, puberty and stuff like we have so many kids that their sophomore year, you know, they go off at the end of the summer or at the end of the school year, and then they come back after summer and they're three inches taller and they weigh an extra like 20 pounds. And you're like, what in the world happened? It's like the kid just finally hit his growth spurt. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit it on the head. You know, it's, it's, it's a matter of, you know, and now it's a matter of patience, right? You have right. to also, yeah, yeah. you also have to coach the parents, you know, to say, Hey, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. You know, um, especially with the little league organizations, you know, um, you know, wrestling is a little bit different, um, you know, with, but with the ball sports, you know, tennis is, I don't know who watches tennis, but really it's all you got to do is sit there and turn your head back and forth and watch the ball go back and forth across the screen. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's all sports basketball. You just have to watch the ball going up and down again. I know I'm simplifying things, but, right. but when, when a kid is playing baseball or softball and you know, their, their practices aren't fun, meaning you don't have enough help to be able to keep kids engaged and moving around. You know, they sit there and that's when they build sandcastles, you know, and then their parents see that, their parents see that and they're like, well, what am I paying for? Right. Uh, there's other opportunities out there that they could just, you know, they, they can invest their money in other things, but you know, it's, it's a, it's really, um, you're competing for lots of, things in youth sports and and i think it's the engagement of being able to make it so that make your program so that you can build on steps you know i've got a usa uh usa soccer started it really usa soccer's got a huge rubric right that's that's pretty amazing um as the as the kids grow through the youth programs um usa wrestling started uh you know in the in the last you know eight to ten years where it's a big rubric that, you know, is developmentally um, appropriate for age and skill level, right? So what should they be learning when they're, they're six U? What should they be learning when they eight U? You know, what, what should they be learning at 10 U? You know, so it's very much, you know, fundamentally, um, you know, it's, it's physical and mental, right? What are they, what are they ready for? When I coach, when I coach six U kids, they might, they might not even know that they're learning a skill that would translate into um, the sport that they're playing, you know, but we want them to control their body and understand that, that this move or this, this position is going to help you as you keep growing and get better. How is wrestling for, for a lot of people listening who may have never competed? I bet we'll have quite a few people listening who have never even watched a wrestling match, honestly. Um, if you were going to kind of explain how wrestling is different from other sports beyond the obvious of like there's not a ball involved or a net or, you know, whatever, but like maybe mentally or physically, like how is wrestling a little bit different where um, 
maybe it affects your ability to recruit kids to come out for it? It's very intense. Um, it's, you know, from a high level standpoint, it's, it's very physical. Um, you know, people are like, well, matches in high school are only six minutes long, right? You have two, three minute periods. And then in, in college you have, uh, it's a seven minute match. Well, everybody's like, Oh, it's only seven minutes long. I can do that. Right. Or six minutes long. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's like running a marathon within that, within that six or seven minutes. And, um, you know, it's very grueling. It's very intense. Um, you know, I tell parents all the time, it's, if you're a first year parent, it is literally in, in, it is, uh, it is c- controlled chaos, uh, at times with youth. And it's something that you can experience every emotion known to mankind within <laughs> about a four or five minute span, you know? So, you know, it's, it's hard to keep kids out because it's, it's a matter of, you know, it's physicality, you know, it's, um, it's intense. It's pretty, you know, one-on-one you can definitely tell. And, and, you know, it's one of the things that we try and coach is, is, uh, don't fear failure, right? Um, failure is just an opportunity to, a, a loss is a lesson, you know? So it's really hard when you're mono mono out there with one one-on-one for, the parents to even grasp it that little Johnny or little Jenny's out there, um, you know, getting their butt kicked and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's, uh, either love it or you hate it. You know, I've never seen anybody that's kind of on the fence about it because it's too physical. It's too demanding, uh, physically and emotionally to do it if you're not either in love of it, you know? So that's the hardest thing to be able to, you know, keep kids out is, you know, again, it comes down to the experience that they had. So, you know, like in youth, I mean, I don't even start teaching moves until, you know, we don't call them, we don't call it a double leg, right? But we'll call it, you know, uh, a duck walker or something like that, right? So there's ways to be able to get kids to understand that they're learning to control their bodies um, before they actually start doing moves. So there's this huge rubric that, that's out there that's actually pretty pretty easy to follow um, that's, you know, developmental developmentally uh is kind of that pyramid of you know you start at the bottom and get a good base and then as you move up to the more competitive and elite levels then you start fine-tuning and and be able to be you know self-motivated and and, uh be able to get that high intensity um that uh, you're looking for when you want to compete at the highest level when you're thinking of like that intensity what my first thought goes to what we talked about earlier about, you know, making sure that things are fun. Uh, and then my, my next thought after that is how, you know, physically demanding and intense wrestling is, which immediately, immediately kind of takes my mind to like, what if though I, I do lose all the time and I do really struggle. And then that brings my mind to, okay, let's back up and go to like the first week. So let's say you have a kid coming in. It's the first week he or she has ever tried out wrestling. Like, how do you, um, how do you like set it up in a way to make that kid potentially have the opportunity to fall in love with a sport that is that physically demanding and intense where, without also scaring them off too at the same time? I imagine it being like a really bizarre balance that you're trying to do of like you need to be honest with them and they need to understand how physically demanding it is, but you also want them to come back tomorrow. We play dodgeball, man. That's what we do. <laughs> That's a good way to do it. Okay. <laughs> you know, we, uh, you know, when I was going, when I was uh, involved with the Ballard program, I mean, we were we were probably equally as good of a dodgeball team as we were a wrestling team. <laughs> you know, so that's awesome. Um, 
it's pretty it's pretty uh it's pretty easy if you understand that you need to focus and be i i very much teach game oriented skills at that mm-hmm. level so we're where we'll play you know um a toe touch game right or uh something that that teaches the kids um how to do something but it's but it's game oriented you know it's um you know, you play tag, right? You play yeah. shirt tag where you put put your shirt in the back of your shorts and, and you tell them you have to do certain things in order to pull the shirt out. And, you know, so it's very much game-oriented um, skills that you're learning at that time. And then, yeah, a, a 6U kid's not going to understand um, the sport of wrestling is pretty complex, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've heard Stephen Neal talk about it, which he was, uh, long story short, he was a, three-time national champ for Cal State Bakersfield at heavyweight, um, played high school football, um, but actually has uh, three three Super Bowl rings with the New England Patriots. Um, He actually went from Cal State Bakersfield, wrestled in the international circuit, and then got an offer to go go to the Patriots training camp as an offensive lineman, you know, earn the starting spot, and then he protect Brady's backside for three Super Bowls. You know, so be able to understand that you know, it's baby steps, um, and you have to put it as, uh, you know, you talk about a kid losing all the time. Well, how do how do I get a kid to stay out that's just getting his butt kicked all the time, right? Or how do I get a kid to stay to stay out that maybe struggling at the plate, right? Strikes out all the time. You know, it's it's a matter of going back to, okay, what what do we do well um, on a process standpoint, and and focus on I I have a you know the positive coaching um method is how i work you know i don't i don't yell at a kid um for doing a wrong move or 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 screwing up or making an error or things like that they already know that they screwed up right so it's a matter of when they do something well and something goes really right for them man you got to celebrate the heck out of that you know um versus there's a lot of people that are just browbeaters that keep keep uh you know saying don't do this don't do this well you know what kids hear is the last thing that you say right so if if you're teaching um if you're teaching a kid a swing and you say you know don't drop your back shoulder right, right. the last thing that they hear is drop your back shoulder you know <laughs> unfortunately that's the way that our human brain works you know so instead of saying don't don't drop your shoulder you say you know, um, you know, whatever translates to, you know, um, you know, keep your hands up or, you know, uh, keep your shoulder up or whatever it might be, you know, it's rather than influencing the negative, you reinforce the positive of, of what you want it to look like. Yeah, that makes sense. How much does the, the high school program interact with the middle school program there? Uh, for the, you know, for, we've been, what, I don't know, middle school season in Missouri is really short, so it's really only like a month and a half long, mm-hmm. two months long. Um, you know, for the last three or four weeks, we've actually had practice together because at Southern Boone, we we, we don't have a wrestling facility yet. Um, so we put mats out in the cafeteria and uh, <laughs> we we practice together, you know. So it's, it's very much, a, a, you know, you've got kids of all different skill sets, but my opinion is that you should never get bored with the basics. Um, 
you know, the, the basic fundamentals are, are building blocks and stepping stones to be able to teach those, teach those high level kids and get them ready for the next level, you know? So, um, we've, we've worked it well, coach Bradley and I have, we've talked a lot about, you know, what we want to get out of each practice. So put a practice plan out there. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll separate into groups and, uh, you know, put kids at the same skill level together. Um, and then really now, you know, now that we're, now that we're getting into meets, uh, the high school is getting into more meets. So, you know, we'll practice in the mornings a few times, uh, because again, it's, it's high school is a little bit more intense than middle school is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, for the kids in middle school, I've heard it. We practiced when we practice individually or, or actually as just a middle school, you know, it's very much more calming to the kids because they don't have to feel like, you know, they're trying to uh, keep up with the high schoolers. Right. Um, but at the same time, you want them around those kids to be able to understand what it takes to, to, to wrestle at that next level, you know, or to compete at that next level. You know, you know, we've been blessed that, you know, I don't think other than other than the uh, USA tryout that my daughter went to the first week of November and the Little League World Series experience, I don't think Gracie's ever played her age group. She's always played up. You know, we do that for a reason because, you know, she gets to be around those more advanced kids and tries to keep up with them versus, you know, maybe not necessarily pushing herself, you know. So it's, it's a balancing act, but uh, it works out. You just got to you just got to have people in in a program that uh again, it's like I said before, it's not about me, it's about about the program and and what we want to accomplish as a uh, as a school or as a, a you know an organization, right? Yeah, I think when you you mentioned Gracie a couple times, you know, obviously blowing up now, but then also you mentioned earlier in our conversation how she and she you know came out for that little league team when you guys first moved and missed the registration cutoff deal, right? And she mentioned to you like, well, I I wasn't throwing hard because I was kind of afraid that I might hurt the other person. We see that too at the high school level too, right? So like we in off season workouts for example you know we'll have kids come out that are freshmen who maybe have have not played a whole lot of baseball before or even if they have and they just might not be really good yet and you know they'll want to play catch and one of our older kids will play catch with them and you can just you just watch and you can see the the older kid like being real tentative not throwing real hard and you know that's fine once in a while in an open gym as you know in your senior year but to do that when you're young, that's a problem, right? And you have to be allowed to develop. And so I think we're in this weird time right now, right? Where youth sports are so, uh, you said chaotic, which I think is a great word to use for it. But I think we just have so many parents and and coaches and and kids and people who maybe don't understand the, the goal of youth sports. And ultimately if you're not improving, like it's, it's a wasted deal. So like you mentioned earlier, the, the team that you know goes into a tournament and sandbags and joins like a lower classification so that they can dominate it, and we're not really achieving any goals here other than like wow you you know you won a, a you know a trophy or some you know medal or something. Yeah, it's I mean, you know, we could go on about youth sports. It, I mean, in my opinion, it's a billion dollar industry gone wrong. Um, you know, because you've got you know in in uh, baseball and softball, for example, you've got. Uh, travel ball clubs that you know um well justin columbia we have 
you know, two or three high level organizations um, that compete for the same kids, you know, um, all have the same, maybe have the same goals of, you know, why are we doing it? Right. I guess it's a question. Why are we pushing our kids to, you know, why, why do kids pay a thousand dollars a year or $2,000 a year or $3,000 a year to be on a travel ball program? You know, some flash it in their face that we're going to go play as many ring tournaments as we can play. You know, you're going to get these big trophies and get these big rings and, you know, but in the grand scheme of things, what are we trying to teach kids? You know, when, when, when my wife and I um, started talking about having kids and, and we were fortunate enough to have two healthy ones, we said, okay, what, what is our goal? You know, and uh, Andy Andrews is a, is an author and, I got the privilege of hearing him speak one time and you know, he said, uh, you know, we're not put on this earth to uh, raise good kids. We're put on this earth to uh, raise outstanding citizens so that when they're adults, they can contribute in a positive manner to society, you know? And, and that's where, when we, when we took that trip for the Little League World Series, well, we were fortunate enough to have uh, a support staff. Like, you know, we had, Three coaches, myself, Kerry Bush, and, and Steve Regan, who all surrounded ourselves with the same philosophy. You know, we wanted to make sure the girls had the best experience they could. You know, don't get me wrong. We were there to win games. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we were there to win games. Um, but we wanted to make sure that they had the, the right experience as well so that we could develop them as as young ladies um, so that they came out of it with – that they learned something, you know. So – Thankfully, I mean, fortunate or, or unfortunately, we we played in uh, 2021 where, uh, well, 2020, we would have had pretty much the same team, but everything got canceled due to COVID. <laughs> yep. Uh, we would have been pretty competitive then, but we would have relied on our same pitchers that we had in 2021. So fast forward a year and, and we played through – you know, I don't think we got a run scored on us in the state tournament. Um, then we get the we get calls and notifications about regionals, right? So we go to Indianapolis for regionals, and we had talked to the previous um, teams that have made the, that have made the regionals from Danny Boone. What was your experience like? Well, um, you know, when Carrie's younger, older daughter went, um, it was. You know, everybody stayed at the, I think, the embassy suites and, you know, families got to stay. And it was very much a, a celebration-like atmosphere where literally rented out the, the whole hotel and, you know, all the teams stayed together and, and it was good, good, uh, a good environment to be in. Well, we went to regionals and we got the notification. We got a letter or a, all the all the information packet from, from Little League. They said, well, the girls are going to be – you coaches and the girls are going to be – in a hotel by yourself, right? With all the other teams, we basically got quarantined um, mm. into the team hotel. And then parents, basically, you're going to drop your kids off at the hotel and then you're on your own. So, you know, we raised, <laughs> we raised the question of, well, we're three, three dudes, uh, yeah. you know, and there's 13 girls on this team that are either 11, 12, or 13 years old, I said, how's that going to work for bed checks? You know, let's think about this really, mm -hmm. you know, so thankfully, I mean, Little League did a really good job of allowing, you know, us um, and others. We took a, a female advocate, which really was our team mom. And uh, thankfully, I mean, 
again, we have been blessed to be around Division One athletics for years and years and years. And and my wife is a um, an amazing woman that has her master's in school counseling, right? And so we we chose as a as a staff to to take her as our female advocate, and thankfully we did because you know they probably got more of experience being around her than they did us, you know. So we went to regionals, Indianapolis. You know, we're there for. I think we were in Indianapolis for six days, I think, where they got to actually physically hug their parents once. <laughs> Jeez, you know? crazy. So it was crazy. Um, and we had some girls that really struggled um, with it. But we also had girls that were there that were a little bit more mature that that maybe helped them out. And they, they figured out, you know, um, they really had a growing moment because they had to figure out how to you know, make their own bed or fold their own clothes or whatever it might be, right? Because mom and dad weren't there. Um, and then fast forward when we actually um, were able to to go to the Little League World Series, we left Columbia on August 7th and we got home on August 19th. And again, they hadn't, they, they got to hug their parents like probably once or twice during that whole time because they were, we were quarantined. Um, or sequestered, I guess, um, in a hotel, you know, so it was pretty trying, but we were able to, we were able to all, again, all of us coaches came together and we, we had, uh, we had a number of college players reach out to the girls, Sophie Cunningham, who's a, a legend here. She's the mayor of Columbia. She plays for the Phoenix Mercury now. Um, you know, she, she even was able to talk to the girls and really, um, we, we, we were able to give them the experience that, that hopefully had them grow not only as players, but, um, as young ladies as well. So, and we were pretty successful. We got, we placed, we got third, I guess, if you want to call it, we went five and two at the little league world series and, uh, no, five and one, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> had some fun. We had a lot of fun, won a lot of games, taught the girls a lot. I think one of the things that you you end up getting all this experience from is kind of pretty cool because you have experience obviously at the college level as as both an athlete and then as somebody who is intimately involved in the the sports side then you know obviously as an assistant high school coach and as a head coach and then now as a middle school coach but then also you are embedded in the the travel and, and rec league parts of that too which I think not everybody gets exposed to all those different parts. I think so many of us get into one and that's just where we are. Uh, and you've had the ability to kind of go from one extreme to the other and all in between. And so as you kind of reflect back on your own time as like a head coach and assistant coach, and then now at the middle school level, and you think of like, what can high school coaches like me do, I guess, essentially to help the youth sports scene whether that means, you know, helping get more kids to come out or making sure that kids end up playing when they get to high school. What can high school head coaches do to kind of make sure that, that youth sports are working in their own kind of individual communities? Man, if, if you know, you had a magic wand, it would be, it, it would be, you know, we need to, we need to backtrack a little bit and, and understand yeah. what is the purpose, right? What is the purpose of, of sports? Um, are we out to, to win titles when we're eight years old? 
you know. Um, it takes a, a, a hard stance on what are our values, what are our core values. Um, you know, again, if I had the answer, I, I would, uh, I'd be probably a millionaire. You know, <laughs> so, so for example, so we moved to Missouri. <clears throat> um, they have a rookie state tournament here, which is, you know, if you're a first year kid, um, you can go wrestle at the, at the rookie state tournament, whether you're 6U or it goes up to, you know, 14U. Um, if you've wrestled, if this is your first year, you can go wrestle the rookie state tournament. And then also there's a, you know, the state series um, as well, where, you know, kids qualify to get to the state tournament, things like that. When you get there, you know, let's see, Owen, his first year wrestling, um, I think he placed third, I think maybe. Um, again, I don't know. This is so bad because I don't even remember. Uh, I'm not one that looks at stats and things like that. And so many people do, but um, that's one thing. It's not about the stats. But you, you had a, a table up on the concourse. We were walking the concourse, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, they had this, this trophy display going on in the concourse where that's pretty cool. Those those trophies are bigger than some of these kids, you know, that are wrestling. Um, so Owen wrestles. He gets third. We go to get our awards awards at the award stand, and and they're handing out um, medals to the to the kids, right? On the award stand, they're handing out medals. And I see this kid that actually, uh, you know, was a fifth place kid hmm. with a trophy that was as tall as him. And I was like, what 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 is that? Well, I walked back up on the concourse. They were selling these trophies on the concourse. Oh, yeah, right. A parent could buy them. $30 and they could buy a <laughs> trophy for their kids. Oh, it's like, what are we teaching them? You know, you, you, I can just go, go this instant gratification of, well, you've got tears. I'm going to make you feel better, you know, by going and buying you a trophy, you know? So, you know, that's, that's one thing where it's just, you gotta, you gotta have the right people involved and, and people have to understand that training is huge for people. Um, you know, there's, there's a number of, you know, at least in, USA softball, uh, I think they have a baseball too, maybe, but USA softball does a great job of, they have a ACES, uh, an ACE program, uh, certified coaching, um, mm -hmm. that, they, that they require, uh, for, well, I don't know if everybody follows it, but as a, as a high school coach, you could, you could make sure that you're providing adequate training for, because look, we need volunteers, right? We, we've got to have volunteers. Otherwise there's not enough people to, to coach these kids when they're young. Um, but being able to surround them with the right people, uh, surrounding them with their, giving people the right tools. Um, you know, you, uh, one of the things I would make sure of in this today, today and age is, uh, safe sport. I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, safe sport training is making sure that kids are in a, in a, in a safe environment where, you know, you had the USA gymnastics scandal that went on where kids got abused and right. you know, yeah. things like that, that. You know, if you're if your organization, you know, isn't putting mandates on background checks, et cetera, et cetera, um, you know, you're uh, you're opening yourself liability wise, but you're also, you know, again, it's it's who you surround those kids with. Um, so it's level of training for for the people. You know, even if you've got a, your own training that you do, or you know, say your high school program, you know, is known for hitting the long ball. Right. Well, how do you, how do you teach that? You know, what's, what's the steps to get to that level? 
you can implement the same kind of uh, philosophy all the way through. And if they're, it's proven that if they're in the same same system, so to speak, um, you're you're gonna likely have a lot of success at the high school level. Yeah, I, I usually when people ask about like you know if we have a good year or something like, well, what went well? And it's like, well, what went well is when these kids showed up, they were already really good, right? Like so. Yeah. Yeah. The more freshmen you have showing up each year that are really good, like that's going to make you as a coach much more quote unquote successful, right? And so, what steps can you do to make sure that happens? And you know, the two really easy ones are you know make sure there's as many kids coming out for the sport as possible, and that doesn't happen on accident anymore, right? With just the idea that kids have so many choices, yeah, and I've... and I could go and do anything I want with my time. So it just kind of circles back to that idea again of just. What can I do to make sure that this kid is enjoying his time here, that he's getting something out of it, and that she's also um, in a position where she wants to play again next year? And yeah, and you have I to coach. The, you, have, you have to coach them where they're at, right? I mean, right? Yeah. We talk, we talk about a kid being scared to catch the ball. Well, mm-hmm. you know, some people will be like, you know, well, what are you doing out here? Right? You're scared of the ball, right? Instead of taking a step back and saying, hey, why don't we instead of just winging balls at people why don't we take a step back and let's let's everybody uh let, let's go get some tennis balls right yeah um and and play catch with a tennis ball without a glove and figure out that hand-eye coordination and get them more comfortable more confident uh so that when they put a glove on they actually know what they're supposed to be doing with it yeah we get kids who um i mean just like a basic idea of it like a kid hits puberty early and dominates little league and so we all assume this kid's going to be amazing. Yeah. And then you have the other kid who maybe can barely play catch, but he matures super late. Again, like going back to that sophomore, junior year thing we talked about earlier. And all of a sudden, by their junior, senior year of high school, it's actually the other kid that could barely play catch who's now extremely good and talented. And this kid who was really good, maybe he's been passed by already by this kid. But if we had gone back to when he was 10 and we just told him, you know, buddy, you know, you know baseball is just not really for you, man. Yeah. Uh, maybe try something else like we've closed a door on something that maybe this kid could have gotten a lot out of even if he doesn't end up being a great player who cares but like he could have learned some amazing things and gotten some great lessons out of this sport and we we shut the door on him because he couldn't play catch yet yeah i mean michael jordan right michael jordan was a jv player got cut right and then he goes on and becomes uh you know a multiple time all-star and, and every, everything that he did you know it's it's a matter of i think it's really developing a program that 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 is has the ability to to coach kids where they're at mm-hmm. you know um at the level that they're at right now not thinking about what tomorrow brings um but having the steps appropriate to be able to get them you know to where they want to go you know we have we have kids on our on our travel ball organization that you know thankfully are high level kids but we've been through um you know the, the quote unquote stigma of rec ball versus travel ball it's it's pretty blown out of proportion right but you have some you have some travel ball programs that to be honest with you our our little league or our our rec program we could have we could have smoked you know because they were all in it for hey let's go win some c tournaments you know um and and that's where that's where you get into um again it's it's a matter of you know there is always going to be a discrepancy in, in the levels, you know, up until, you know, recently, um, 
you know, you have the more physically uh, mature kids that that um, are always going to, most likely are always going to outperform physically, right? But um, you have to have little Johnny that wants to catch up uh, and give them the opportunity to be able to do that. And you just don't know. Like, you, nobody yeah. has a crystal ball and can see what what right. comes next. And so we should be opening as many doors as possible. Um, yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on. I think hopefully this gives people some some ideas and some thoughts and just maybe even just some, like, reflective time to, as they're listening, maybe think to their own programs and their own experience as a coach. And then if, you know, if they have kids, of course, then what do they want for their kids? Because the youth sports scene can be something really beneficial or really toxic, depending on which routes, you know, you decide to take your kids on. Um, I don't know if, if there's anything we missed or stuff you thought we might get to, or just anything thoughts that you still have, but just kind of give you the microphone, you know, one last time, you know, philosophically, you know, you have to be pretty hard nosed on what your beliefs are. You know, if, if you want to surround your kids with the right people, um, if you've got people that are just Jersey chasers or, you know, title chasers that are in your program, you know, you're always going to have that, but the more you can surround your kids with the ability to understand that sports isn't everything, um, winning isn't everything. Um, there's more lessons that can be learned when, when they lose and the adversity of it, you know, Baseball, softball, it, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, it's a game of chance, right? Um, it's a game of failure. And, and the more times that we try and say, oh, it was this person's fault or that person had a good changeup or that person had this or whatever it was, you know, it's, it's what, what can we teach our kids to control? You know, we talk about control the controllables, you know, what can we control in, that results in the outcome that we want, you know, major league baseball players are getting paid millions of dollars to hit what? 220, 250. <laughs> yep. Right? If that, right. If that. Um, so a parent wants to put out there, Oh, my kid, you know, hit 500 this weekend uh, or something like that. You know, what, what are we teaching the kids when, when, when the stakes are, when the stakes are low, right. Meaning a kid is eight years old. And he strikes out, he or she strikes out, and uh, we go say, it's all right, it was somebody else's fault, right? What are we teaching the kids, right? Okay, so when they're when they're 18 and 20 years old, later on down the road, when they go to choose, you know, whether they want to get behind the wheel after they've been drinking, right? They say, you can either, you can either reflect back on your upbringing and understand that the decisions that you make, the choices you make, make you, right? So if I choose to drink and drive, I got to be okay with the outcome, right? When they're eight you and they strike out and we blame it on something else, um, you know, we're starting to plant that seed. So we've always, we've always said, you know, we're going to teach our kids, um, you know, not just my kids, the kids that I coach. We're going to teach them when the stakes are low to make the right decisions um, or be able to control what they can control so that when later in life, they really have to make those life choices or those decisions that, that they, that they know that they're going to have to either reap the rewards or suffer the consequences because of the choices, you know, 
So I guess that's philosophically how we surround ourselves with the right people. Um, again, the organizations that we've been fortunate enough to be involved with and, and, and the coaches, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to be able to see not only, I mean, I get more, I get more fired up when I see other kids succeed than my own kids. Um, you know, probably to a detriment of, of my kids, you know, I probably don't celebrate, celebrate them enough, you know? Um, but it's, it's pretty cool when you, when you get to see, you know, the, the, the little guy win his first match, you know, it, it kind of sets the tone and, and where you want to be as a program um, when all your kids are around and, and the culture that you've, you're sharing with those kids is that, you know, we're family, you know, and it's, it's a matter of, we, we care about everybody that comes through the doors and, and uh, want everybody to succeed, but it's not going to happen overnight. You just got to stay the course and be patient. Yeah, man. I mean, you, you, hopefully I think you've given people a lot to think about. And I also, again, just coming from that angle of experience, you've had this unique road where you've been able to experience the whole thing. Um, and you're currently in the middle of it too, which is awesome. And so, um, can't thank you enough for, for sharing your thoughts and for giving us hopefully a lot to think about. And then also, um, for carving out some time on a weekend and, getting after it so um wish you the best and and so appreciative of your time and all the the energy you spend on kids and not just your own but but everybody else's because i know like you said man we're we need so many volunteers and people to to help out with this or or it doesn't work and uh, just can't thank you enough for everything and and obviously for coming on the show so thanks nick awesome appreciate you having me I think there's something really valuable about hearing from middle school coaches, especially those like Nick who have coached at the high school level and know what it takes. It's that vertical alignment piece. is just so critical for success. Had an absolute blast with them. If you aren't signed up for the weekly newsletter, or if you haven't picked up some high school coaches club stickers or a hat, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and hit that subscribe button wherever you're tuning in. And most importantly, if you found any value at all from this episode or any previous episode, please share this on social media, via email, or through the old-fashioned word of mouth. It does not matter how you do it. Just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better, and that's how we grow the club. Huge fist bump to Coach Britton for jumping on the call with me. Thanks again to Netting Pros for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking that play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I've got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.